So when did they make that? <laughs> a minute ago. Gee whiz. Well, we have with us Eric and Ken. This is part one, and we're going to take a break and then do a part two. And this is going to be a lot of fun because John, which the vast majority of you know, been on our leadership team for, what, about 10 years here, some many years. And John was a vineyard pastor for a, a lot of years in the late 80s and 90s, and Ken was a vineyard pastor at Anaheim with John Wimber, and we knew each other back in those days. So we're going to tune in a little bit to what happened in Anaheim, because what happened with John Wimber in the vineyard, which is a church movement, there's 2,200 vineyard churches now across the earth, and uh, has a significant impact on what we're doing. And then Ken and Eric have this deep friendship, and I was so surprised when you... They told me that Ken was on Eric's program. I said, how does Ken know Eric? I mean, Eric's famous. How does Ken know Eric? That's it? Are we supposed to leap in here? <laughs> Eric and I were introduced by a mutual friend in New York City. And, uh... Our dealer. I have to say that just to make sure people are paying attention because it's an early service and I'm just assuming uh, that there's a, there's a dysfunction. If you have to show up at a service this early when there's another service, I just want, I want to ask you why you're here. Because there's a part one and a part so, two and they're right. hungry to hear your story. Oh, they're that hungry? This is the hungry gang. Uh, praise God. We were, I mean, look, I got to say this up, up front. When I got saved in 1988, Wait, I wanted. You got saved? Yeah, okay. I got saved in 1988, and when that happened, I was saved supernaturally. It was in a, a miracle dream, and immediately I wanted everything. I wanted the gifts. I wanted the. I, you know, I was. I didn't even know you could become a born again Christian and not want that stuff or get that stuff. Speaking in tongues and visions. I just assumed, unless you were an idiot, you'd want. You know, like, what comes with the meal? That, that's included? I want it all. I want it all. So I was astounded when I met people that were evangelical Christians who didn't get that stuff or against it. So I met Suzanne uh, at, at Times Square Church, David Wilkerson's church. So we, Suzanne and I have been into this since the beginning and whatever. But when you're in New York and you kind of drift into the Redeemer world or whatever, you kind of drift away from that. And we have a friend named Matt Bennett who runs a thing called Christian Union, an amazing ministry amazing ministry to the Ivy League, to reach out to the Ivy League. But you'd expect... Wait, you're two Ivy League guys. Well, we're, okay, so we're, that's right. Princeton, Yale. But when you assume if you're reaching Princeton's out to the Ivy... Princeton's a four-year school. Yale's a two-year school. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> y Yale's a seminary of Satan. You're not going to, like, offend me if you put Yale down. But seminary point, or synagogue. Yeah, exactly. So, but the point is that our friend Matt Bennett is reaching out to the Ivy League with the gospel in a very powerful way. And that's rare because the Ivy League has not been reached effectively. It's kind of pathetic, I think. And so he has gone in there. But you'd assume that if somebody's trying to reach these elites, they would not be into this crazy stuff. But Matt no, Bennett... crazy stuff because he moves in the spirit a lot, a lot of healing. Oh, healing, healing and deliverance and, and all that stuff. So when Matt Bennett put on a union... Uh, a Christian Union conference with this guy, Suzanne and I went, and I was like, this is the greatest thing 
ever. I want to get to because know this man. Because in the academia world, this you man, don't expect a guy to talk about well, demons. Well, right. Especially to cast him out of the people that are hosting the meeting. Well, exactly. That exactly. meeting was held at NYU, which is not an Ivy League school, but it's a very well-regarded university in New York City. In New York City, and uh, and you know Matt secured this room, and I don't remember how many were there, but maybe it was a hundred, hundred and fifty. Right. Um, and so Matt had me come in for the first time to speak to Christian Union, and he wanted me to teach on deliverance. And I said, are you out of your mind? And, and he said, no. that's an elite crowd who thinks that's ridiculous. Right, and I said, I mean, let's start with, I don't know, the kingdom of God or healing or something else. He said, no, I want, I want you to speak on deliverance. And I was like, okay, uh, you know, this is sort of like lobbing a grenade into the middle of the room, but if that's what you want to do, all right. But, but one said, of the main guys got delivered right in front but, of everybody. But even well, before you say that, I just got to tell you, because I don't know if we told you. So Suzanne and I are there. Right. We've never seen Ken. And we just love Matt Bennett and Christian Union, so we just show up, and we're psyched about Gifts of the Spirit. We're going to see this stuff. We're psyched. But the comedy is there were people invited who not only were they not into this, but the look on their faces when this was going on, like, uh-oh, we got to get out of here. These demons, people are insane. These are friends of ours. Out. We're not going to mention their names, but we could, but we're not going to. But I just want to say that you were right. In other words, there are people, maybe from the Redeemer crowd, where they're just not used to this. They've never seen it. And they were like, what, what in the world are we getting into? Redeemer crowd's a Presbyterian church. What's that? It's, a it's Tim Keller's well, church. Well, they, they just don't, you know, go near this stuff. So, but we were delighted that, that day. So we're doing this meeting, and I don't remember the order in which this unfolds, but I remember three specific things that happened that, well, four, actually, that happened over the period of four sessions. So the first one was right over here in the, my left, but it was actually the right side of the room in the front. Um, Matt was sitting there with his stepmother, who had been deeply into the New Age and yoga and She'd like made trips to Nepal and you know gone after all the gurus and swamis and she'd been in an ashram. I mean, you name it, she'd been down that path. She was a spiritual woman, but anything but Christianity. She got delivered of an evil spirit. And got, how, and, how do you and know the, she did? Because she manifested and screamed and fell on the ground. And, and all these elite academics. That's just been a coincidence, though. And, and, but but wait, 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 wait. But <laughs> but wait. That, so I mean. That's interesting, but what was better was that in the midst of getting delivered, she also got healed of a problem with her spine, which by the way, just side note here, ministry tip number 2A, is a lot of times when people get into yoga and some of these other things, it creates spinal and sciatic problems. So she gets totally healed of all that, and she gets born again. So Matt's like, I've been praying for her salvation for 25 years. So that was one thing that happened. Then there was a woman over here, and I remember saying, there's somebody right over here, and you've got a breathing problem. No, no, Ken. No, I was there. I want to know exactly what you said, because if you say exactly what happened, it's much funnier. Okay. What Ken does... I was because, about to get there. Because Chris... No, no, no. Because Chris Reed is here, like, doing his, like, you know, insane-level ministry, Ken has been, like, hanging back, okay? But I've seen what God does through you, and it is insane. Power of God... And so Ken, which he often does, he goes, this row of women here, I think here is some people, somebody has a breathing problem. And this always happens. This is funny. I find this funny. It happened yesterday in the service. He says, someone here has a breathing problem. 
Nobody moves. Like, no, we don't have a breathing problem. Happens all the time. We don't right? have a breathing problem. Okay. And then, so Ken says, okay, I'll, I'll move on. So he moves on, moves on. And then he says, I'm still getting really strong from the Lord. Someone here has a breathing problem. Nobody moves. They're like, no, we don't have a breathing problem. We don't, we don't have any kind of respiratory thing. No, 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 no. So Ken is finally like annoyed. And he's like poking like, you, in the, in the beige trench coat, you have a respiratory problem. And the woman says, this is no joke. She says, well, I do have asthma. But I didn't know it was me. And, I, and this is where Eric in the back of the room gets angry. Like, hey, lady. Like, there's 150 people here. Like, you know, what, we needed to pull that out of you, that asthma might be a breathing problem. But he experiences this all the time. The Lord speaks. He knows the Lord is speaking. But people are just like, well, I don't know. I'm just going to sit here. I'm going to wait. This is the sovereignty of God, you know. If God really wants me, he'll get me. But, but that was one of the funniest things I've ever seen. So sorry, but that was a powerful moment to show that the Lord was speaking to you and that the silence of these people was comedy. So, so I call this, this is the spiritual gift of chicken, right? We're playing chicken all the time. So anyway, she comes up and we had a, like a big barrel that they a were using. A trash bag yeah. with a, a, a gigantic plastic yeah. bag uh, in, the, in the garbage bag. And this is a really well put together, you know, Manhattan, well-dressed... Ivy League. One of those, yeah. And so she's got her head in the bucket. She's vomiting all this stuff out. Which means literally she's being delivered. She's being delivered of evil spirits right in front of the whole room. And everyone so why, in the room is, why like, is she vomiting? Because she's... I'm asking this for folks who don't know. Yeah, because a lot What's of times when deliverance is occurring, people vomit. Not always, but it's not rare. So in her case, she was vomiting. Okay. Sometimes people cough, sometimes they sneeze, and sometimes they yawn. There's different things that happen, but in this particular case, it was a very dramatic thing where she's vomiting in the trash can, but she ends up getting healed of her asthma as she gets delivered of the evil spirit. And obviously, that could have been a coincidence also. We don't want to oversell this, right? So, we're going back to the, to the uh, 1980s, okay? Well, by the way, I didn't get to the third okay. story. Oh, go, so, go Eric's on. sitting on the back row with Suzanne... And right next to them is a guy who's worked for KKR, Colbert Kravis Roberts, which is one of the biggest leverage buyout firms in the world. Um, if you follow the financial press at all, you would recognize the name immediately. He's worked for KKR. He finally left them, started a hedge fund, and, and this is a moneyed guy, and again, a well-put-together Manhattan dude. And I, he's sitting right next to Eric, and I said, you've got a generational spirit on you that you got from your father. <laughs> the guy falls on the floor right next to Eric like this. A generational like, curse, yeah. an evil spirit, yeah. what you mean. Yeah, and so he's, you know, like that. So, and that's what I mean by manifesting. So he, <laughs> so I walk back, I drive the evil spirits out of him, and Eric goes, I want you on my show tomorrow. So literally the next really day, you that. did, yeah. So the next day, I came on your show and you said, I've taught on this stuff for years, I believe in it, I wrote a book on miracles, but I just was in a meeting yesterday and this is what happened and this is the guy and that's kind of how we got started. Correct, yeah. One of the points of this part one and part two interviews, because I want our spiritual family here and the folks on the internet watching, because we got a larger family outside, I want them to know you. Uh, and so we, I like the little, the training, little sound bites of training. We want that, and we want to connect a little bit of what happened this last two weekends, 
But even bigger than that, I want them to know you. So that's really why we're doing this. So next time we say Ken Fish, they go, oh, man. Or Eric, oh. That's why we're doing it, because we want you to be known. But since we want you to be known, we want your wives to be known, too. And they're on the front row. Would they mind terribly if I had them come there? Should we do it anyway? My current wife uh, (laughs) is very, very sensitive about this, and she would be uncomfortable. She would have worn something different if she would have known that you would train Which, the focus can, can of this you, huge ministry. Or, yes or no? The camera is zooming on, in right Suzanne. now. No, she really doesn't like this. <laughs> She'll real, never she come doesn't. back to IHOP. Suzanne hates this stuff. Come on for a second. <laughs> oh, wow. Come on up here. Oh. Come on up here. Because I want our people to know you. That's the idea. So... Yeah, yeah what yeah, do you want us to do? Oh, no, just right there. You can stand right behind him. No, no, you stay seated. Okay. Yeah, there you go. Right here. So that way you guys can put your hand on them and say stop or, or go. So We didn't Beth get them confused, did we? Beth we got the right Suzanne, woman with the so right guy. This is your current wife. So tell us about her. I just met her a week ago in some church. You've been married <laughs> for how long for real? We, in October, will be married 25 years. <clears throat> Should the Lord tarry. <laughs> and? Uh, this is my wife, Beth. We met at the vineyard. And we will have our... 34th anniversary in December. And you guys are good friends, and you go on ministry trips together, and I just wanted them to see you. Anything that you'd like to say, just from this weekend or about him, or just anything, you don't have to. I know there was this no This is notice. really cruel to put them on no, the No, I know, like and this. last week I did this with, with, with Lisa Chan and said, I will never do this to somebody. I kind of just did it. That's, I, but I'm not going to do it again to anybody. Commandments? What is that? Mike, we can cast the lines here. Okay, there you go. Anything you want to say? And you don't have to. Tell us about him a little bit or about this weekend. This is your moment. Um, well, I never heard about, of IHOP. I never heard of IHOP until about a month ago when Ken mentioned uh, Eric, was invited Eric to come. So this has been so interesting for me. I'm just loving it. I love your 24-hour prayer. I love this whole, whole last two weeks. I, I'm, I don't, I, there's no words, and I'm just processing it all. So I'm just thankful that we're here. Good. I'm thankful that you, Eric, has been included. So it's just been a, an amazing blessing. One sentence or two on him. What's it like to live with this guy? Well, everybody it, always says... Does he ever say funny things at home? Well, this is what everybody says to me. Is he, oh, is he this funny at home? And I always just say, sometimes. (laughs) (laughs) Because he's, you know, he's a serious guy. No, actually, look at his books are quite serious. It's a mix. You get a mix. But it's, it's, there's never a dull moment. Let's put it that way. (laughs) All good. Okay, now wait a second. Now, give us a sentence or two about Suzanne. Um, I don't know if you believe in this, like, kind of Jezebelic spirit stuff. Do you guys believe in that here? I can't say anything serious about Suzanne. I love her. Of all the maidens in the land, I chose her. We've been together for 25 years. What more can I say? Uh, and when she says there's never a dull moment, it's like we're praying, we're praying for a dull moment, but the Lord, the Lord is uh, testing us. You don't have one but, but Suzanne, for, for 12 years, Suzanne ran uh, the Crisis Pregnancy Center in Manhattan. 12 years. 12 years. Uh, and uh, until she was thrown out because of a scandal, embezzlement and stuff. And, uh, you know, she likes nice things and God has grace. 
But, he's uh, kidding, he's kidding. Yeah, maybe. Maybe I'm kidding, I don't know. He's kidding. Look it up. No, so, but, but that's an amazing thing because you're talking about Manhattan, which is deeply secular, deeply against the values of, of, of many Americans. So to do that in Manhattan is a real work. I mean, I speak at pregnancy center stuff all around the country and they've got thousands of people and different centers and tons of money. You do this in Manhattan, that is a pioneering so missionary work. And so, uh, yeah, that's amazing. So one, one last thing, and then we're gonna ask the same questions. Of all the maidens in the land, you chose her. You're gonna stick with that, right? Yes. Okay. <laughs> this week. This week, okay, let's give a comment about him. Um, and then you're gonna do, here we go, I'm gonna give that to him. Okay. No, no, take that. No, no, <laughs> that way he can, this could be fun too. While Beth is thinking, I will say something about Suzanne that most of about you wouldn't Suzanne, know, because yes. I've stayed in Eric and Suzanne's home many times when I'm in New York. Um, she is a fantastic cook and she has a gift of hospitality as big as this room. And the, however many hours we've been together outside of public meetings, I think it's like 30 or some number, we've lost count. Well, this week, yeah, for sure. But We've really enjoyed you. We've really enjoyed getting to know you. So, comment about her or her about you. Um, well, first of all, I just want to say thank you to uh, the staff here at IHOP, and some of you may not know, but we do have a disabled daughter. And um, the people here have been amazing providing care for her so that I could be a part of the sessions. And I just, I'm so thankful. You guys have been so gracious and honoring and uh, just loving toward our family and generous. John, so generous to our family and allowing us to stay in his place. Um, so I just, Right off the bat, I just want to say thank you. That's the best thing you could have said. Um, as far as Ken, um, I think the thing that marked him early on for me and the thing that really drew me to him initially, besides... And how many years again? 34. So 25 well, and 34, okay. 34 in December. Okay, yeah. Um, was just the passion that he had for the things of the kingdom. And if that was something I was going to describe him, it would just be that, that passionate heart to go after God and go after his word. And, and having that mix of somebody who's so bright and so intelligent and basically has an amazing mind and yet moves so powerfully in the spirit of God. That's not a mix that you find every day, and I'm really thankful for that and the example that he's been to our family. So you guys met each other in the vineyard back in John Wimber's church because most of you know that John Wimber was well-known around the world for signs and wonders. He was pioneering a new way, and you wrote much of his materials, his, his syllabi and stuff, not his books. Kevin Springer helped him with that, but you wrote a bunch of that. You, it was your full-time job. I mean, you served him in a personal way. So you guys got to watch that whole movement develop. Well, and we met because he was actually on staff with John for Vineyard Ministries International. And one of my young adult friends in the church, I had just um, graduated college, did a, an internship in this inner city for six months afterward, working with a Runaway in a Runaway House. And... Um, I ended up going to the vineyard and somebody there said, hey, I know that you're looking for a job. There's an opening at BMI. So I went in and interviewed and that was 
So of all the lads in the land, why did you pick him? <laughs> Again, it was that, that passion that I saw in him and um, that mix of, and, and his good looks. And his good looks. Okay, give him a comment or two. I remember being introduced to Beth at a service at the Anaheim Vineyard by a mutual you're held 20-something or whatever. Uh, let's see. doesn't matter. Yeah. 20, early 20s. She was 23, and that would have made me probably 26 at the time. And we'd both been in long-term relationships. She'd been engaged. I was nearly engaged. Um, but both of those had broken up. So we were introduced, and it was like, hi, nice to meet you. And that was it, because neither one of us was ready for another relationship. And it was just sort of, yeah, nice to know you. But... But I did notice that she was attractive, and um, well, I better just leave it there. So <laughs> uh, anyway, so when she got hired on at VMI, I wasn't part of the hiring process, Vineyard Ministries International. When she got hired on, I came out of my office that day, and here she was, and I'm like, oh, it's you. So I said, do you want to go to lunch? And I was really just trying to be friendly. Um, but on the second time I asked her to lunch, I was hitting on her. And so... <laughs> So anyway, it rapidly developed into lunch every day and pretty soon breakfast before work and then lunch at work. And then like week three... An afternoon snack. Well, dinner after work. So, and then it just sort of accelerated from there. And so that's really how we came together. Anyway, I just wanted them to see you and hear you because we got to know you and I just thought it would be a joy for them to touch your heart just a little bit. And ladies, I won't call you up really. That, I don't really want to do that. Dana Candler, would you come up here and tell... No. <laughs> what about your wife? Come on. In Kansas City, we understand that, you know, Mike is an incredible gift to us, but the gold is his wife, okay? And what's, what, what's miraculous, and I'm not overstating it, is, you know, the six people when they're together, I mean, the, the calling and the giftings and the stories and the history or something... But it is remarkable how much gold is in all of the wives. It's been a phenomenal week to meet them and get to know them. Okay, so going back, you two guys in the vineyard, late 80s, Kansas City, Bob Jones, Paul Kane, a bunch of us come to the vineyard. John Wimber's world famous. I mean, he's the guy that's on the cover of magazines all around the Christian world. And so we come in because the Lord speaks about the compassion and worship of the vineyard and the prophetic and intercession of Kansas City are to come together. Just comment on a little bit about that. Yeah, uh, I mean, obviously, I, I just think it's really important for us as a community to understand how important that word is, that the Lord wants those four components. And so that was being spoken about in 89, 90, 91. Um, you know, of, of all the people that have been visiting us, we've probably gotten the least from Ken in terms of he's been but we've quieter. we've known him the longest. We, that's right. And, and so I don't know that you know enough about, and I think uh, going forward we're going to see more of them, but it's really, really important, those four components, and it's remarkable about how those four components are intimately tied into Say his life. Say the four again. Most know it, but just to be really clear. So, so the mic and the prophetic, it's intercession and prophetic. We're to marry, we're to join the issue of worship, all right. and, and the word we used often was cross-pollinate. Cross-pollinate, that's a better word. Yeah. Actually, to be very specific, the word you were using came from Bob Jones, yes. and it was cross-pollinization. Which is not a word. Which is not a word, and I remember thinking, why are we calling this cross-pollinization? And the first time 
I came here with John Wimber. We were never technical about actual words and spelling and grammar. It's that like being was, summoned. That wasn't our power alley. So anyway, I mean, you guys a, had a banner. He's an English major at Princeton or Yale or somewhere, and you are too. We didn't do that. Bob was Hills of Arkansas, and but, I was in but, Marlboro. But if English, Marlboro, okay? if English is your first language, you're responsible for this stuff. Okay, okay. So you guys had literally made a banner, and I remember, it wasn't, I don't think, in this building. I don't remember where the building yeah, was. Yeah, it was this building. Was yeah, it, it was, okay. yeah, actually. Well, there was a banner up on the wall, and it said, cross-pollinization. And I remember and walking did you in. just die? As, as a Princeton major smart guy, you went like, what? It, well, it was, you know, I, I, you know, when I first met Bob Jones, he looked me in the eye, and he goes, boy, Papa's going to burn your mind to ash. And I thought, that can't be good. Whatever that means, that can't be good. So it started with cross-pollinization because I was going, no, no, this is not a word. It's kind of like what Eric was just doing here. And I just had to move beyond it and say, okay, it is what it is, and that's Arkansas but speak, and we just... I mean, he grew up in the hills of Arkansas, yeah. and, and he, was, he liked it. Yeah. And so you got with Bob a number of times. What was that like to meet Bob Jones in the late 80s? Did it blow your mind? Did your mind turn to... Oh, yeah. It was ash? like springs were you know, sticking out of my head and smoke was coming out of well, my ears. Wait, wait, but, one... but I actually had sought to meet him because I was so interested in and hungry for the things of the Spirit. I mean, I knew what was in the Bible, but no one I knew was living that life. And so I was, you know, I was kind of on a quest. And so Steve Lambert, who used to be involved here, but I think he lives in Wisconsin now. Steve Lambert, does anyone here remember Steve Lambert oh, yeah, at all? Totally, There's a few totally, hands, okay. Yes. So Steve Lambert had introduced me to Bob. I met him on December the 9th, 1985. It was an icy, rainy day, and I landed at Case MCI, uh, and Steve picked me up. I had two friends with me, and we went out to Bob and Viola's house. And... After that, he and I developed a friendship, and it was kind of mostly over the phone. No one had cell phones in those days, so it was literally on the phone. But he kind of mentored me, and then we were together at times. And then there was a period of time where John Wimber was bringing him out to Anaheim, and Bob would bring me up on the platform to minister with him. And so that was kind of my first bite at the apple. And then I became very close with John Paul Jackson, and there was a period where John had brought, John Wimber brought John Paul Jackson on staff at the Anaheim Who was Vineyard. one of the prophetic guys here in yeah, Kansas City. He was one of for your... maybe six or seven years, something like right. that. Right. So John Paul Jackson would go on later and found Streams Ministries International. He died um, in 2015. But anyway, Beth and I developed a very close relationship with John Paul and his wife. And while they were on staff at Anaheim, we had dinner with them every other week. It was kind of a standing date. I and didn't we know just, that. Yeah. So that was further to my prophetic mentoring, I guess. Uh, but it was kind of one-to-one. Okay, I got a question, and then John wants to jump in. So you're at Princeton, and you, you what's in your mind is to, stu- is to be a scientist. You're studying... Right, I went to Princeton to be a quantum physicist and wait, study solid-state physics. Wait, to be a quantum physicist? Right. And what? So, and <laughs> and, and particularly solid-state solid physics. physics. James. <laughs> yeah. That's, that's cool. Uh, and so, so you meet Bob. Go ahead, John. You had something important to say. We just, I mean, going back to those four components, 
so the vineyard was worship and compassion. And the insight that the Lord wants at a foundational level in the ministry moving forward, I mean, it's remarkable about how much. I mean, I just, I want to commend Ken to you that you, like, really reach for and be impacted by. Like, for 40 years, all right, the way he's been living his life and how he does ministry. Obviously, uh, the insight from John Wimber was compassion is at the heart. It's foundational to the movement of the Holy Spirit. The Lord had compassion on them. He healed them, all right? But it's much larger than that. The Lord wants it in his people. And that is, is, you know, the way he relates to us is he's compassionate towards us. The way he wants us to relate to each other, even to the lost, even to our enemies, is that compassion piece is really, really critical. And so watching Ken for 40 years, from a distance most of that time, um, about how he's lived his life. Bob Jones used to have a teaching about, you know, when difficult things happen to you, you get cut. And those cuts can turn, you know, into bad things, so to speak. And what, what Bob used to say is if you'll conquer them, if you'll learn how to love in the midst of being mistreated, the, the wound will heal. In fact, it'll become a badge, and that badge will have authority upon you. Understanding being around John Wimber close, the battle around John was incredible about people wanting to be close and who they would step on to get because there. Because he had and so much prominence. So much. Everyone in his circle it wanted blew, to. It blew up. And Ken was right there in the middle of it from the beginning of when it really started blowing up. And so he's experienced lots of things in which he's gotten cut. And at the same time, he's learned how to love well in the middle of all that, which is part of the reason the Lord's still using him. But it's remarkable to me that all those wounds have become badges and there's authority in it. We need to grow in compassion. And here's a life that has demonstrated that for 40 years. So it's 1988. The Lord speaks audibly to Bob and he tells me in front, with about 10 of us in the room, John Wimber is calling you in three months in January, 1988. He says that in October 87. And I think John Wimber's not gonna call me. Well, he does. You know, Diane, hello. She goes, a guy named John Wimber on the phone. I go, hello. And, and so I go to, to Anaheim, and that's our connection. But the point of it is that the Lord wants to, a cross-pollinization of, of compassion, meaning everybody talked about healing by faith, which is biblical and important. But John Wimber talked about healing by compassion and relating by compassion, not opposite of faith, not at all, but he put that element in. And John Wimber, it was worship, and everyone does worship, but the uniqueness of the vineyard was the intimacy with God worship. And I went to the first conference and saw the intimacy with God worship. I mean, an hour and a half, all intimacy with God. I'd never seen anything like that. Because what was famous, or what, I'm not famous, well-known in the charismatic circle, Stirred was up. more declarative, shouting Stirred at the up. devil. Stirred we up. got victory. Everybody, boom, 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 boom. And at the vineyard, it was, we love Dialed you. down. We love you. I went for an hour and a half. Presence worship. I mean, 5,000 people in conferences in this long extended time. And so that's the compassion and worship elements. And there's more components to both of those. And the second one was prophetic and intercession. They were to come together. Many vineyard pastors took hold of that. Took hold of that. Some of them didn't. Many people in our world here in Kansas City in our larger network of friendships took hold of all four. Some of them didn't. But you're one of the guys that took hold of it all for being a worship leader yourself 
and moving in the compassion type signs and wonders and then embracing the prophetic in the intercession and 40 years later, however many years it's been since 1988, whatever that number is, those many years later, you're still doing it. So you're one of the guys that took hold of it and you stayed with it. So on April 9th, when I'm, uh, you know, uh, Chris Reed is talking, he's his first meeting with us, and he says, when the prince will pass, 418 at last, does that mean anything? And, and I'm not gonna tell the story, you already know the story. And I, so it leads right into the vineyard story of the 418 with compassion and, and worship and, and uh, prophetic and intercession. I'm talking all about John Wimber and how that da-da-da-da. And that very morning, you are interviewing him about John Wimber in New York and Andy and Francis. I have literally never heard this. Are you kidding? You're not kidding. On April 9th, yes. I mean, you're right, but I never put that together. I that mean, I was uh, here, talk to, talking to him. The reason I was talking about John Wimber is that I have a, you know, a daily radio show, which is also on video, but... It's about 150 stations. Oh, yeah. Day. It's, it's called all the Eric Metaxas Show, Metaxa if you show, haven't heard of it. Because that was available, and I grabbed it. So, <laughs> but, thank you for laughing at this hour. So, but Ken has been on my program a million times. We talk about, you know, I want to... There are a lot of people who listen to my program who are not dialed into this stuff. And I want to blow their minds. I want to challenge them and say, this is for today, and this is, you know. But the reason we were talking about John Wimber is that we're in TBN, uh, has given me a half-hour program every weekend, you know, national program. And they're just going to put on certain things. A lot of people have on, they won't put on. So when Ken was on the program, I was like, Ken, this is perfect for TBN. But TBN doesn't know you. My radio audience knows you. But so let's go to the beginning. I want your story. So I was interviewing Ken about the story, and I was even learning things in that interview. It's like, you never told me that. You never told me that. So it was amazingly 4 9, and we were talking April about 9th, these yeah. seminal things in John Wimber. I mean, it was amazing. It's amazing to me to hear this now. So, that well, the it, other thing that needs to be mentioned um, is on the 9th of April. So Eric and I do that interview. And I remember that because that was the day you called me and said, hey, I need you on the show, and I was going to get my hair cut. And we were going back and forth about when we could do that. So that evening, I'm, or that afternoon, I, I go to H-Rock Church, which is Cheon's church. And I don't remember if that was the day you zoomed in and did, did a session for the, uh, for oh, the oh, conference. No, 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 I okay. didn't zoom in that day. But that April was the a... 9th was Cheon's Global Summit for the network that's known as Harvest International oh, I did Ministries. I a couple days before. I remember that. I forgot yeah. all about that. So anyway, that day, Cindy Jacobs is ministering. And I hadn't had a... I mean, the Lord has touched me at different times in my life really powerfully, physically, manifestly, overtly, not just, you know, I felt a chill. Um, but I hadn't had a touch like that from the Lord in well over a decade. might have been two. I really don't know. It's been a long time. And Cindy's on the platform, and I'm on the front row... And she just calls me out, and I just get blown up by the Holy Spirit, which this also happened on the 9th of April. And so I got wrecked. I mean, I was, could hardly function. And there's a couple of people here at these meetings that were on a, on a uh, webinar that I was leading late in the afternoon. And I got on the webinar late because I couldn't function well enough to to do the webinar, and so I just messaged my... Because you were still... <clears throat> under the spirit and just something. not able to, you know, I was incoherent. Um, so I messaged not, not my... Not really. Really, yeah. Eric, do you believe that? 
Okay. This is after we, the broadcast. But we should also mention, in case anybody's you know watching someplace, we also got to say that April 9th, and I didn't think of it on April 9th, but April 9th is the day Dietrich Bonhoeffer was killed by the Nazis. And it's, it's a the very important fifteenth anniversary of Azusa Street. The revival. Amazing. So there's all this convergence going on around April the 9th. So April 9th, uh, Chris Reed, his first time with us, John brings him in, yeah. about 10 or 15 in the room, and we tell the John Wimber story because of the little riddle, the when the prince will pass, 418 at last, because in England the prince passes on that morning. And so I talk all about John Wimber, and I said, 418, Luke 418, is a really about John Wimber and the merging of these, not really about him, but I mean the merging of these two, uh, cross-pollinization of these two streams. And we need to, and with signs and wonders flowing out of it. And so I talk about John Wimber, tell the story for 10 or 15 minutes, and I talk about Ken Fish to our leadership team. And so later that night, now it's Friday night, April 9th, we're here, and Chris ministers to a bunch of people, and Dave Schleicher backstage, he goes, that friend of yours, Ken Fish, that you talked about this morning? I go, yeah. He goes, he was on the Aaron McTaxis show. I go, w- w- what do you mean? Today, when we were meeting, they were meeting, talking about John Wimber. I said, I didn't know Ken knew Eric. And again, you're famous, and you know, and so, uh, no, we teased about that for the last two weeks, had fun with it. But I, I didn't know that. So I said, really? And he said, of all things, they told the John Wimber story. So April 9th, so I go home at 10 o'clock at night. I turn it on, and there you are. I go, unbelievable. You talk about John Wimber. Then the YouTube right below it is John Piper interviewing you on Bonhoeffer and Chuck Swindoll interviewing you on uh, Luther. So I, I'm going, John Wimber, April 9th on the East Coast, and... Andy and Francis are on the West Coast on April 9th talking about things that are all connected to us, and we don't even know that either. I find that out about a month later when I watch their interview. It's April 9th, and I thought, what is this April 9th thing? So 10 o'clock that night, I watched the interview of John Piper on Bonhoeffer with you and Swindoll on Luther, and it comes out. Bonhoeffer dies on April 9th, and Luther's most important day in church history is 418. And I went... Eric Metaxas has written a number of New York best-selling books, but two of them are these two men highlighting these two days. And so I, it's about midnight. I send Eric an email. I go, Eric, I love you more than you know. You have no idea. I, it was all coming together. And I just love-bombed him in two sentences. I go, just one day we'll tell the story. I thought it'd be a couple years. But here we are today. And it's amazing how the Lord brought all this together. So, John, you were in the vineyard back then. Just talk a little bit about the connection of Kansas City and the vineyard. And you guys interacted a little bit. Undoubtedly, you were in rooms. You were the like the executive pastor of a mega church. It's about 5,000 people now. And you were, vineyard was a mega church. And you guys interacted a little bit because we, John always called the leaders together to sit in rooms. You probably didn't have that much interaction, but... yeah. The, the emphasis is little bit in terms of, I mean, Ken is in the inner circle. Ken is, you know, doing traveling right next to John. Ken He's is traveled in the middle. with John about 50 times, yeah. maybe and, 50 and times. And so I'm a little bit at a distance from that, watching that, appreciating that. But getting to go on some of those, I mean, we ended up going to Australia together uh, back in 1991, whatever that was. Um, and so I'm, a, I'm a very much aware of Ken, don't know him real well. Um, but 
you know, you've heard, some of you have watched, some of you have commented about as this, is, this invasion has happened in this season, you know, some of it feels very, very familiar to me. 89, 90, 91, there was a line out the door and down the street. You know, Paul Kane is giving words of knowledge that involve addresses and a specificity that takes your breath away. Dreams, visions, and all that's happening. Presence of the Lord is there. And like, you know, the momentum and, and just like, this is dramatic and this is awesome. And hearts being touched and all of a sudden, it just all falls apart. At least that's my experience. And now we come back around the mountain, so to speak, and here's this young man words of knowledge just like Paul Cain's. And, you know, he dreams just like Bob. I mean, Chris does. And it's just been fascinating even this, these, uh, you know, two weekends in July as it's being called about the skill sets and the gifting and what's happening. And being the great man of faith I am, it's like, oh no, is this going to all fall apart again? Like, no. And what I love is the dynamic about the connection at a relational level. You know, I talk about a word picture for me is uh, back in 89, 90, it was like a bag of marbles. All these streams came together and they just pounded on one another. And then it's sort of, whereas I think this feels like much more like a bunch of grapes in that the Lord is squeezing us together and there's juice flowing and it's a new wine. There's something really up. And at a relational level, the connection, the friendship, the favoring one another, the yielding to one another, I, it is beautiful and incredible to me. And, you know, if you're not aware, something's really up, folks. Something is really up. Okay, so we're going back to the 80s again. It's about you. And we're talking, uh, so you're in this solid, solid physics quantum thing. And so, but are you walking with the Lord at that time? Because your mom's healing is what touched you. Right. It yeah. wasn't academic apologetics. Right. It wasn't scientific info. It was a healing that touched you. So give me the timeline. Did she get touched? Then you get saved? You got saved, but not really pressing in, and they got excited about healing. Then how did you start growing in this healing in such a dramatic way? Well, I was raised as a believer, but to be clear, well, my father died when I was four, and my mother didn't remarry. And she was, she was a believer, but I would say she was a weak believer and in some ways backslidden. And you're Southern California? In Southern California. So, I mean, it's not a pretty part of my story, but my mother couldn't afford to keep me. <clears throat> so she would send me to her parents in Michigan, and I would live with them much of the year, and then I would come home and see her. You're four, five, six, seven? Uh, yeah, starting at age four and a half, yeah. So... Um, my grandparents were very devout, godly Wesleyans. And their story is interesting in itself, but we don't have time to go into it. I'll simply say this. They were both converted in a tent revival um, in western Michigan in the early 20th century that was led by a, literally a circuit-riding preacher, a man on a horse, who was himself a disciple of a disciple of Francis Asbury. And so they came to faith, and my grandmother became known all over western Michigan particularly for her uh, Bible teaching gift, but she had a sister who was a prophetess, although we didn't use that language in those years. And so I can remember as a boy going with my grandmother to Hastings, Michigan, if anyone knows where that is, where there was a large Methodist campground, and they'd have a tent up, and 5,000 people would gather to hear her teach the Bible. And so I would sit and listen to this, and that, that was how I was raised. 
My Wait, grand heard your grandmother? My grandmother, not my father, my grandmother. Did the teaching in the tent. In the tent. And thousands of people would come to hear her. And you're a little guy and you're Yeah. And then I'm I'm being raised by her and my grandfather. And you know, every day we would have family devotions around the table. We ate our big meal at noon and then the Bible oh, would come out. That's cool. So she would teach me the stories of the Bible. We would do Bible stories at night. So I would, this was my early upbringing. Um, and when I got to high school, I didn't need to go away anymore. So I was now living with my mother in Southern California. And I don't even know, I mean, I, I think I was saved. I, would, I, I had prayed the prayer plenty of times. And I, I would say that like a computer with the software loaded, it was all there. But when I was 18, I had a really decisive encounter with God that was supernatural. Um, and it, when you were 18? When I was 18. And so that was just before I went to Princeton. And I won't go into all the detail of it again. I, we need to watch the time. But bottom line, God spoke to me audibly and you know, told me he had a, a purpose in my life, although I didn't, didn't get to know what that was at that point. It's two years later that I'm at Princeton, and in the fall of the year, I have an open vision that lasts for three days. And so, wait, I can't get my brain around that. Yeah, well, it literally lasted for three days. So, no wait, matter. Wait a second, that's not possible. Well, let me explain since we don't have time. Because <laughs> I've said the same thing, and I have to like dig it out of can. Like you had to dig the uh, asthma confession out of that woman. Uh, <laughs> wait, I'm gonna say one more thing, and then <clears throat> at our house where we had these 30 hours or however many hours it was of meetings and other places. Ken would say something, and Eric was the one I loved it. He'd go, Ken, is that really true? So I'm being Eric right now, and you're kind of being Ken. So Thank you. So, but I mean, because when he says that, but I'm better looking than it's, both kind of, of it's kind of sloppy to say I had a three-day open vision. Yeah, it's and sloppy. And let everybody be like, what, what, what? <laughs> Thank you. So if you really love the brethren, brother, here's what you would say. I had a vision that lasted for three days, but I was able to get on with my life. But every time you focused it was there and it was flaming letters spelling out the word seminary correct and the but, lord kept that in front of you for three days so even you though you went about your people, business it was like faintly in front of you right they were but about some, so high about so thick and they were on fire so if he loved the brethren he would have explained that it would have been a nice gesture <laughs> what can i say my heart is bitter and hardened so so that was in, uh, that was in uh, the fall of 1979. And that took me out of quantum physics towards studying religion academically. And to be clear, to be really clear, although there is a Princeton seminary, it is not the same institution as Princeton University. And I was attending Princeton University. So I began studying world religions and like existentialist philosophy at Princeton University with some of the top people in the world in those disciplines. And all of that, as it's worked out, has become important to what I do now uh, because I have a, a, a deeper understanding of many of these things than most people do coming out of Princeton. And, so and I subsequently demonic, went to I, seminary. I mean, the, oh, oh, finish. I subsequently went to seminary. At Princeton? No. Where? At Fuller Theological Center. Back in Southern California. In Southern California. But that world religion discipline, now that you move in the spirit so much occult activity, you've got lots of historical right. and, and conceptual roots of where they're living. But you would have never known that 
back then that that's why God sent you there. All right. And the reason I left quantum physics was because, again, no internet in those days, but I started ordering seminary catalogs because I'd had this vision and I, you know, being a very intuitive person, I, I figured out that God wanted me to go to seminary. So I, I ordered these catalogs and I started reading them and every single one, and there were, I don't know, I probably contacted eight or 10 seminaries. Every single one said, we want you to have a liberal arts background, history, English, politics, something like that, but no hard sciences. And so I'm like, well, quantum physics won't do. So it was, a, it was I'll tell you, it was a real job to get out of the engineering school and the physics program at Princeton. They didn't want to let me go. And so I ultimately make it into the religion department Again, religion, not Christianity. And uh, I did take some Christian ethics classes with world scholars on ethics and other things. Those were very good, but most of it wasn't that at all. I took a couple classes um, interchange with Princeton Seminary, but I didn't go to seminary until after I was out of Princeton. I went to Fuller, and at Fuller, I became John Wimber's TA for the famous MC510 class that was being talked about in Christianity Today and elsewhere. And so for several years, I was John's TA in the Signs, Wonders, and Church Growth class. Say, say oh, right. Yeah. So, so John's reminding me about my mother. So <clears throat> in the middle of all this, um, so I'm, I'm now making my way through Princeton. I'm no longer um, a physicist. I'm a religionist or whatever that is. And, and people were saying to me, what are you going to do with that when you get out of Princeton? And I, I don't know what I'm going to do with it. How are you going to earn a living? I mean, you're going to be poor. If you'd been a physicist, you would have been famous and rich. And I'm like, well, I don't know, but this is what I got to do. So late in all that process, somebody in my church walks up to me one morning, and she and her husband had been to a John Wimber meeting in New York City. And she had a bag of cassette tapes. This is an ancient technology you may have heard from, heard about. And um, so there's all these cassette tapes in the bag, and they're all made by John Wimber. And she goes, I was praying this morning, and I felt the Lord prompt me that you needed these. So in those days, I had a Sony Walkman, also an ancient technology. And so I started playing the cassette tapes in my Walkman and listening to the tapes. And I'd been in on a two-year journey um, through my, you know, basically junior and senior years, where for two years I'd been praying and asking God, what about all this stuff in the Bible? What about all the signs and wonders? What about the prophets? What about fire from heaven? What about blind people seeing? What about cripples walking? I don't know anybody who does any of this. What about that? And she hands me a bag of John Wimber tapes, and I'm listening to him, and I'm thinking, this guy's doing this, and he's talking about it like it's normal. What this about? This would have been like 1981 or two. Okay, okay. And so, I mean, I just, I just got spun up by it. And so... I said, God, if what this guy is saying is right, I got to have this. So, you know, a break comes and I go home and we lived not down the street, but, but acceptable driving distance from the Anaheim Vineyard, except in those days. Which is John Wimber's church. Yeah. Which was John Wimber's church, except in those days it was known as the Yorba Linda Vineyard um, because it was physically in the city of Yorba Linda, but it, it's literally a distinction without a meaning. So, okay. So we're, the church meets there, and I said to my mom, hey, I want to go visit this church. Now, she's still kind of, eh, with God. I mean, she's saved, but... But her mother is the preacher to the 5,000. Right, yeah. So she doesn't, hasn't connected with her mom's ministry in a big way yet. Right. 
So I take my mom to John Wimber's church, and as it happened, that particular day, well, actually for several days, my mother had had something in her mouth. We don't know to this day what it was. It was some kind of a malady that caused her to have open running sores on her tongue, gums, and inside her lips. You're talking about like 50 sores. Yeah, 50 or more sores. And they were all dark like a raisin and about the size of a raisin. What? And so she's drooling spontaneously from the pain of these sores in her mouth. And so I said, come on, Mom, we're going to go to this church. They, they allegedly heal the sick there. And she's like, I don't want to go. And I said, well, come on, you're coming anyway. So I put her in the car, and we drive up to the church. And, you know, we have a service. And so the worship is nice, and the preaching is what John would do. And, and then John says at the end, now we have a room over here. And uh, if anyone needs prayer for anything, go into that room. So I said, come on, Mom, we're going in the room. She goes, I don't want to go. I said, come on, I'm going in there, and we can't leave till I'm done, so you got to come with me. So, you know, there's a little bit of carrot and stick here. So we go in the room, and these two young women walk up to us. I still know both of them. And, um, and they said, well, what do you want prayer for? And I said, well, my mother's mouth has these sores. I said, Mom, open your mouth and show them. And so she does, and they're kind of horrified by this thing in her mouth. And so they lay their hands on her, and they begin to pray. And it wasn't like, you know, shada ba boom ga ba ba It wasn't anything like that. It was just... A quiet, kind of under your breath. So you don't breath. have to raise your voice. You don't have to scream at the sore? Not usually, no. Okay, go ahead. Um, so they pray, and I'm not kidding you, literally 30 seconds, all the sores vanish. They're just gone. And so we're looking in her mouth, and you know, like, doing all that, and there's nothing there. And my mom stops whimpering and crying. And that really was the pivot to, to bring her back to, I would say, an acceptable expression of Christianity. And I was like, I'm in. I'm sold. That's it. And so, and so you jumped in. You said, I'm going to do this the rest of my life. Pretty much, yeah. And you have. That was 40 years ago. Yeah, yeah, yeah maybe yeah, around yeah, 40. Yeah, 81. Yeah. That's 40 years ago. So anyway... Um, so roll the clock forward. I'm skipping parts, but anyway, roll the clock forward. So I go to Fuller Seminary, and part of you know, going to seminaries, you're supposed to do an internship. And they had all these books of you know, churches that wanted to hire a, like a youth pastor or someone to work down at the convalescent home or whatever. And I'm thinking, I don't want to do any of this. And I said, I'm going to apply at the vineyard, which of course was where I was going to church. And everyone said, forget it. Don't even bother. Everybody wants to get an internship at the Vineyard. Uh, you'll never get in there. Because it was said, an exploding church, again, covered by all the magazines. Everybody was right. talking about the Vineyard. And John's the big name on campus. And Signs and Wonders are actually happening in the classroom at Fuller at Seminary. At yeah. Fuller Seminary, yeah. At, at Fuller Seminary. Eventually, the, the, eventually, later, the theological faculty closed ranks and got John evicted from the campus. They didn't like this. They didn't want it going Wait, on. I want to say this. Miracles are happening. About how many students at Fuller Seminary? Ballpark, just round number. I think maybe at that time there might have been probably on the order of 1,200, maybe So 1,200 students, a couple hundred faculty, this guy over there in this room, people with demons coming out, people getting healed, right. the faculty's getting upset or excited, the students are all talking about it. 
Christianity Today is covering it, Charisma is covering it, right. all the magazines are covering it. This guy in a seminary in his classroom, bubble, all these great things are happening. People get angry at him, professors get angry at him. That's right. And you end up working for him. Right. So I, I said, I'm going to apply at the Vineyard. Everyone says, don't bother doing that. You'll never get in. Everybody wants to do an internship at the Vineyard. I said, well, before I go into any of that other stuff, I'm going to send in an application. So I did. And again, ancient technology. I come home about a week later, and my answering machine is sitting there, and the light is flashing. So, oh, okay. So I, I hit the button, and Ken, can you come in to, uh, to interview? And so I get into this discussion with the secretary about, well, who am I going to work for? And she goes, we're going to work for John Wimber. And I said, no, no, no. I mean, he's the lead guy. I'm probably in, like, the, you know, the youth ministry or the men's ministry or something. Who am I going to work for? And she says, no, no, you're going to, John Wimber wants to interview you to work for him. I'm like, really? Okay, I'll be there for the interview. When do I need to show up? And so that ultimately was how I ended up working for John. I go in, I have the interview, he hires me, and then I began working for him, um, conference management, and then became his ghostwriter and wrote a lot of his conferences and um, so sermons and things like that. You're a scientist, a historian, a theologian, but a practitioner of signs and wonders. That's right. I mean, you really put it all together. You really did. And I think it's remarkable how the Lord put you two together. And you guys don't like the, this concept, but from where I'm sitting, it's true. The Lord's put you in the middle of the, in, you know, the academic elite people who don't like stuff like this. But that's a lot of your audience, both of you. I mean, it's two different spheres, and you guys become dear friends. This is, I mean, but this is part of the disconnect in our culture, and we have to war against this. This is really, if you want to really know what the enemy has done, the idea... That, that really, really, really smart guy uh, can't be into this stuff of God. That is a demonic lie. It's nothing less. It's not a misconception. It is a demonic lie. And uh, I spend much of my career, it's God's calling on my life to connect these two things. And Ken is a big part of that in the sense that you say like, you know, oh, you think we're, we're a bunch of jugheads? Well, no. Uh, we're going to talk about what, whatever it is. And the funny thing is, this is not to put down people like uh, Bob Jones, because obviously we understand it's both. The Lord will use, you know, the, the shoemaker or the, the nobody and, and will show him things that he will not reveal to the greatest minds in history. But the Lord used Paul, the apostle. Paul, the apostle, was not some humble dude. He was a super genius, and the Lord used him. So when, when we say the Lord's no respecter of persons, that doesn't mean the Lord is only with the, uh, the uninitiated or the uneducated or something like that. No, it can mean that. But if the Lord's no respecter of persons, he does, the Lord doesn't sneer at the intelligent or the educated. He wants to use everybody. And so we're, we bought into this lie in the culture, and this is no joke. Part of the reason... I mean, Ken and I have been friends for a number of years now, but it was only in the last year when I was writing my book, which I was going to mention anyway, I'll mention it. I, I'm writing a book called, I, I, I have a book coming out in October called Is Atheism Dead? And in it, I talk about science, that the, the finest minds in science today are being blown away because science itself is leading them to see that there had to be an intelligent creator. That's what science is saying. 
science. And most of us don't know this, which is why I wrote the book, and there's a whole bunch of other stuff, but while I'm writing this book, Ken is staying at our, at our house, and I'm asking him some questions about what's in the book. And Ken, whether I'm talking about biblical archeology span or the science, Ken is right there. He knows everything that I'm discovering, and he's beyond it and whatever. And that's when I realized, <laughs> could you leave for a minute? Because I want to say, I want to brag on you, how smart he is, okay? And I just thought to myself, this is so the Lord. And this is part of why I wrote this book. I want to say to people, hey, folks, like, you want to play that game? Not only is God smarter than you, and many of his people are smarter than you if you're an atheist, but science and history and everything is slowly coming out to point to the Lord of the Bible. And if you're intellectually honest, you're either going to get with that program and open your mind to that as a possibility and stop sneering, or you're going to be more and more embarrassed. And if you let the Lord harden your heart, you're going to be like Pharaoh. You're going to be the fool of history because reality was invented by the Lord. And in more and more and more uh, is, is, is coming out. Let, let me say this before we go. They, they told me that they pretty much run out of my books. So I said that I will sign uh, book plates if you pre- What's a book plate? A book plate. It's just, a, you know, it's like a thing that you can put in the book. And I'll personalize it to you if you want, if, you can't, if the other books are sold out. But then you just have to pre-order Is Atheism Dead online uh, within the week, if you don't mind, right? Because I'll, I'll, but I'm saying I'll sign that book for and you. what do you do with the book because, plate? Well, you take, you put, put the book plate in the book when you get the book. You mean and, you peel it off or something? Yeah, oh. you, you, you put it in the book. But I'm saying that uh, I, I want to I do that, you know, uh, for you, but you just have to pre-order Is Atheism Dead if I sign the book, book plate to Comes you. Comes out in October. But the point is that that book and my friendship with Ken it's like, I believe the Lord is doing something huge in our time, and it is almost frightening because it's so powerful. The science, which when you read the book, you'll see, this is not like Christian's version of science. This is science, leading scientists and intelligent people to know that the idea that we're just here is not possible. And we couldn't know that 50 years ago. But the more science has discovered, the more it is uncomfortable for scientists who see the facts are against their atheistic worldview. And my friendship with Ken is a huge part of that. God is really doing something, and I am, for one, very excited. I mean, we're talking about the presidents of universities and corporate companies. You two walking into their world, I just... And then you put... Chris Reed in your back pocket. You guys are going to have a ball together. I, I've got, I've just got to, I know we're about out of time, but I just have to tell this story. So um, before I ever met Eric, but this is a New York City story, this guy, Matt Bennett, that we mentioned 30 minutes ago, he holds these things in New York City that are often held in people's apartments. And because they're apartments, these are not large meetings like this. There might be 20 people there if we shoehorn them all in. So early on, um, Matt had me come in and I did a meeting uh, over on a, in a very wealthy neighborhood in New York City where the, the husband is, is a very well-known surgeon in New York. And there was a woman in attendance at this salon meeting, as they call it, and um, she had lupus. 
And I was teaching on the kingdom of God, and when I finished, the spirit of God came on this woman. And when I mean that, what I, when I say that, you know, you can see the Holy Spirit descend on someone, and it, it, there's a physical reality to it. And in front of the whole room, she gets healed of lupus. And this because is his room is his hand, <clears throat> his hand-picked guys that he knows that he wants to impact. Right. I assume. And, but but I mean, everybody in that room is is a doctor, an attorney, an investment banker, a hedge fund manager. Um, I think the head of the New York City school system was in there. I mean, it was this kind of people. So when we're talking about that kind of upper tier of society. So this woman gets touched and healed. And later it's medically confirmed. And I always say this, real healings will withstand scrutiny. You don't need to claim something and stand on it for 28 years. So, so anyway, she, she gets healed and the word goes out like wildfire. And so all of the kind of crowned heads of glory of New York City are hearing about this. And they start coming to these meetings and more people get healed. And we've now, we now have a movement of God underway in New York City. We've had over 900 people of that tier of New York who have either been healed or born again or delivered of evil spirits or baptized in the Holy Spirit. And so, you know, this, this too so works really even... got you two going on this yeah. together, man. It's real. Now, if only Ken had a website. Do you have a website, I Ken? do. Yes, I do. How can these fine people reach you? Orbisministries.org. O R B I S. Orbis. Ministries. What does Orbis mean? Orbis is a Latin word because I went to Princeton and I'm a nerd. Uh, and it I means. Mean, who calls their ministry Orbis? I had a dream and God oh, gave okay, me the okay. name. It's called Orbis. Orbis. O R B I S. It's not Orvis. It's not fly fishing. It's God. O R B I S. From the word orb, sphere, world, get it? <laughs> the world. Orbis Ministries. Go ye to all the world, the nations, That's right? That's it. That's okay. it. Orbis Ministries. He's got tons of materials there. And so you're going to go right now and go sign books, right? In that little. I'm going to sign book plates if you promise to pre order it. You've got to peel it off to dead. put it in your book, right? Yeah, you got to peel it off. The okay. Lord won't do that for you. And. Uh, we're going to take a break, and, and the reason I was saying a minute ago, we only had a minute, because I want you to pray for people, but we're, we're, all, we're really close out of time. Let's do it. But we're going to take it, we're still going to do it for a few minutes. We're coming back at the 11 o'clock service, a short worship. Then we're going to tease out your story. You've got, we wanted to focus a little bit more on him today, but he knows your story too. We're going to gang up on you on the next one. His mother uh, lived and uh, survived Nazi Germany. His father in Greece in the Civil War after World War II, they come to New York City, meet each other, and it's a story, and your story is... Did they ever get together? Yeah, I heard they did, and they had a son. And so they got together. It's an amazing story, but we're going to tease that out at the second service, so it's part two of the same interview. Amen. 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 Let's stand. Let's stand together. So you're going to run down there, give me your mic, and go... Over there and sign some books, and they got to peel them off. Thing, okay. We're just gonna take a minute, and shh, we're we're not we're not done yet. I would like Ken just a minute, and we'll do this more at other times. But just let's take five minutes and just ask the Lord to come and touch people. Let's just wait on the Lord for a second. Slip out if you need to, but I just don't want it to be a social time right now, unless you go to the foyer. 
So, Father, we just thank you for, uh, for all you've done over these two weekends in July, and we thank you for uh, the goodness that you've poured out among us. And, Lord, I myself am just astounded that the threads that you laid down four decades ago, it's like 40 years in the wilderness coming to an end, and maybe this time we'll actually get to enter into the promised land. And so these threads of compassion and worship and prophetic and intercession converging again. We've got different faces. John's gone. Paul Kane is gone. Uh, but we have Chris Reed among us now. And Lord, we, can, we still keep the stories of John Wimber alive. And John Chisholm and I represent that. And so, Lord, we just thank you so much that despite the twists and turns of history... Just thank you that you have remained faithful to all that you've intended to do. And although there's been a delay, nothing is lost to you. And I just thank you for that. I just thank you so much. I'm just going to throw out some uh, words here that I believe the Lord wants to heal uh, this morning. There's somebody who's got something in your throat, and it's, it's, I can see that it's on the left side of the throat. It looks like it might be to the side of the windpipe, or, or it may even be impinging somehow on your thyroid, but it's giving you difficulty. And who is that person? Right there? Okay. And oh, we got more than one. Okay. Um, would, you, would you all come to the front so we can pray for you in person? And Chris Ledesma and your team, and Ann Smiley and your team, and Rebecca and Casey, who are my daughter and son-in-law, I'm going to have you guys be the ministry team. Uh, would you come up to pray for these people? There's also somebody, you're sitting right back in this zone here. <clears throat> You've got a problem with your hip. And now, I called out someone with a hip problem the other night, last week, and that woman came up to me. She'd been healed. She was sitting in the bleachers. But this person is sitting down here in this zone and you've got a problem. Is there anyone with a hip? Okay, just oh, we got come two on of here. you here. Come on up here, yeah. <clears throat> so the and, Lord. And others on our ministry team, just in our leadership team, go ahead and come on up and jump in and help as well. So, any of you that pray for the sick on a regular basis up front, come on up here. And this is a really strange word uh, because it's, a, it's an out of date name. Is there an Evelyn in the room? Evelyn? A woman named, I assume it's a woman named Evelyn. It better be a woman. Evelyn, where are you? Your granddaughter is named Evelyn. How old is she? Four. Is there an Evelyn? If she's here, bring her on up. Is there an Evelyn in the room? This person, Evelyn, has been praying about something, and it's a personal health matter uh, that you haven't really wanted to speak of. You may have seen your doctor, but I don't think you've let anyone else know about it. And so it's, it's, it's kind of a private, hidden thing, but the Lord wants to heal you today. Evelyn, E-V-E-L-Y-N is how you spell your name. I think you're sitting over here. There's no Evelyn? This is my process. God does this all the time. And then afterward, people come up to me. So that's why I'm kind of pausing on it. It's like, are, are you going to be down here praying yeah, for, yeah. for a few minutes? Yeah. yeah. Evelyn, if you're here, come find me. I'll, I'll be down here and I'll talk to you 
about your situation so you don't have to di disclose your, your, uh, your particulars. Um, just as I looked over here, too, I, there's, God wants to, this is a strange one, too. God wants to touch people who have a problem. This is the heel and the ankle. And it's, oh, you, you have that, all right. You, is it right or left, so, or does it matter? It's the right one in particular. This guy's getting the Kmart blue light special, except Kmart's out of business, so we can't really come say up that quickly. Anymore. If all you of have you that. heels and ankles, come on over here. I get and a Mike, few more. Come and help got, on the ministry line. Yeah, I was gonna say we need more prayer teams. So, come on up. Okay, Evelyn just came up. Evelyn's on the end. But Evelyn's on the end. Yeah, All you, right. you can go down there in a minute. She just came up. So Excellent. You can talk Good to, to know. Privately, yeah. So you guys know I wasn't making it up. <laughs> all right. So, Father, we ask you for all these that have responded. We ask for this throat condition that you would, that you would touch it. And, Lord, the growth that's in the throat, that you would break it up and dissolve it in Jesus' name. It's right here. Okay. Yeah. Awesome. Go for it, Lenny. Lenny's another vineyard pastor who's carrying the legacy. Yeah, he was in the vineyard for about 25 years. Yeah. So, Lord, we thank you for that. Lord, we ask for these hip conditions, that they would be able to walk normally. You intended that we should live to a full life. And as it says of Moses, his strength was not diminished and his vigor was not abated. So, Lord, give them back and renew their youth like the eagles, even as they're receiving prayer. Holy Spirit, come in power on their bodies now in the name of Jesus. And Lord, for these that have these difficulties in the, in the heel and in the ankle, Lord, we ask that you, would, that you would touch the inflammation. We ask that you would, um, for the bones that have arthritis in them, we just ask you to break up the arthritis, that all the crystallization that, that causes cuts and micro cuts like small knives. Lord, we just speak to that in the name of Jesus. We speak the healing and soothing of the Holy Spirit in the name of Jesus. Now, those of you that are up here for the foot and ankle thing, in particular, I just want you to stop and think about anyone who may have offended you in any way. And if so, just stop for a moment and release forgiveness to them. They. they this is not to say that what they did was justified or that it's okay. We're simply trying to get you through to healing. And for some of you, this is gonna be critical to your own healing. Now the thing I wanna encourage all of you that are down here at the front, don't be in a rush. Let the Spirit of God minister to you. This is one thing I learned from John years ago. So often we're in a hurry. It's almost like we shake it off. And you know what another word for that is? It's called quenching the Holy Spirit. And, and so we're very good at quenching him. Sometimes we just need to wait for him. And you know, you'll never know, but occasionally you come up for one thing and God will open up another layer or two or three. You'll get a prophetic word. You'll get a demon cast out. You'll get a secondary healing. All of these things can happen. So, Lord, we just ask you in Jesus' name to release now a greater grace. And, Lord, let your power descend on these that have come forward. In the name of Jesus. If you're not staying for the second service, you're very welcome to. 
I'm asking you to slip out because there's a whole lot of folks wanting to come in and we don't have that many parking spots because on Sunday morning, we don't have the same amount of parking spots with the church next door because they're meeting right now. So if you're not staying, go ahead and slip out. Next service, we're gonna stay in the interview and then uh, Ken and Chris Reed will be doing ministry afterwards as well. So the second service may go for a while.